You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. And my name is Angie. I'm in the studio today with Mr. Mark Bird from Revive Ohio. Hello again. Hello again, Angie. We're in the series on discipleship. We have had several very good shows on discipleship. And today we're talking about where, where do we go to disciple others? Where do we go? I mean, Matthew 28 says it pretty clearly. (laughs) We go to the ends of the earth. But practically, come on, in our everyday world. Listen, here's what I think, Mark Bird, and you can correct me because you're the teacher. Okay. But you can tell me if this is a correct statement. Every opportunity to interact with a human being is an opportunity to disciple them. It is. And it boils down to this, Angie. Do we get to pick and choose who Jesus is calling? No. We don't. No. (laughs) But I think it's, it's important that people understand that Yes, we are asking people to invest in people's lives. But if you only have a few minutes, invest for those few minutes. Yeah. You may never see them again. Who knows? Right. (laughs) And, and, you know, we know the story of the Good Samaritan. Like, what was the Good Samaritan's name? You don't have that. We don't know, right? (laughs) Because they were just being the Good Samaritan. Yes, they were just doing what God had called them to do in the first place. So I love it. So where are we going today in the Bible? So today we're going to go to Acts 1-8, and everybody uses that for one thing or another. But I want to unpack and look at Acts 1-8 from a discipleship perspective today. Okay. And so, so just as a backdrop, of course, in Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples, listen, wait for the promise of the father. And he said, basically, you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to wait. You're going to tarry is the Bible word, but it really means to wait. And he said, what you're going to be waiting on is you're going to be waiting on the promise of the father. What was the promise of the father? The promise of the father was the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so in that context, let me read. And he says this, but you shall receive power. That word in the Greek is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. How many Mm -hmm. know that dynamite packs a pretty much power, right? (laughs) Yes. It says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, here we go, Angie, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's what you just talked about. What's interesting was, in the context of those men that were standing there at the time, the context for them was in Jerusalem, in the city, in all Judea, in the land, and in Samaria. Which is where they wouldn't normally go. Exactly. And that talks to everywhere, and it's what you just said. It's every opportunity. Yes. You're going to be, now here's where I want to unpack this, Angie. You're going to be witnesses. Now, here's the example I want to use in this case. If you witness a car accident, okay? Yeah, I'm following. You witnessed it, right? You saw it. It happened. Yes. And then it doesn't matter if it's two weeks later, two months later, or two years later, maybe the thing went to trial and you were called in as a witness. Okay. Like nobody can take that away from you because you saw it. Right. So I'm saying you are witnesses. Now, the difference is, is I, and, and I was guilty of this years and years ago, we used to do this thing called go witnessing. Well, let's go witnessing. But huh. what Jesus said 
That's how I want you to be my witness. Mm. You see what I'm saying? That's every opportunity. That's every place that you shall go. That's your lifestyle too. That's your lifestyle. Yeah, you have to be it. And you want to talk about how do you do that practically? Well, listen, you might be a good Samaritan. Mm. Is that discipleship? Yeah. It so is. Because again, if you listen last week, Jesus said, love one another. And that's how that people will know you're my disciples. You'll be noted that, well, you must be a disciple of Christ. Why? Because you have love one for another. Mm. And so you're supposed to be a witness to him wherever you go. In the city, in the countryside, wherever you go, even to a foreign land, even to the ends of the age, the ends of the earth, no matter what you're supposed to be a witness. Yeah, and I think that that's any time we're interacting with a person. Whenever you speak life into somebody, I think that that's an opportunity to be a discipler. Yeah. And and it doesn't have to, I mean, obviously, like I said, we want people to invest in people's lives. I, but I'm thinking of specific times when I don't see somebody for a very long time and I want to be able to at least sow a seed and right. and speak something into them that's going to encourage them and to leave them a little bit more hungry for God. And that might be my position for that moment. Exactly. But I love the idea that God will bring us somebody who you form a relationship with and then all of a sudden yeah. you find yourselves talking about the Bible together. Right. And you're doing life together. Sure. And you are discipling. And one might be a little further ahead in one moment and then yeah. the other in the other moment. But let's talk about when we say where. Right. You have laid it out there. I love that we have it in the city, in the land, which is our region. And even those places we don't want to go. How can we <laughs> practically go into those places we don't want to go? How do we... I don't know. How do we start? How do we put ourselves in there? How do we make ourselves go, right? That's really literally, because if there's somewhere where you don't want to go, then you have to make yourself go. Well, and there's probably amount of fear. We there can is. all think about of a place we don't want to go. There's circumstances that I don't necessarily want to get into. But if God's calling me, then I'll go. That's it. So let me throw this scenario at you. Angela. Okay. A discipleship opportunity. Let's say me being a man, I'm on my way to an appointment, a meeting, whatever. I come across someone who's broken down. They have a flat tire. And I pull over and I realize it's a young teenage girl. Okay. And she doesn't know how to change a flat tire. Is that a discipleship opportunity? Yes. Because here's the thing. Now, I can actually go and change the tire for her, right? Yes. I can. But when I show her... Hey, you know what? Here's the jack, and here's what you're doing. You're getting the jack under the frame. Now, you see this here, and you're, you're teaching her that, and then all of a sudden you show her, here's where you put the thing in, and then, here, here try this. Yeah. You know, jack this thing up a little bit. And, oh, my goodness. Wow. I didn't know. I thought it was, like, way more complicated than that, right? Yeah. Is that discipleship? I believe it is. It truly is. Now, guess what? They'll say, wow, thank you for showing up well. Listen, because the love of Christ is in my heart, right? I am called to love. It's back to what you were saying that we, I think we did this last week, that Jesus fed that, the disciples and then he spiritually fed them. That's exactly right. And so it is an opportunity to what? 
Share the gospel. Share the love of Christ. Mm. Now, do you have to stand up on her trunk lid and preach a sermon? No. <laughs> I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> exactly. Probably wouldn't be very effective. But now you have an opportunity because you've taught and provided for this person some physical need. But now you have earned the right to speak into their life because you've taught them a basic principle of changing a flat tire. Yeah. And I think that there's always preparation. I believe that we have to watch where God's moving and we have to watch how he's teaching us because he'll prepare us for that next place he's sending us to. He so will. And every practical thing that you can think of, God has already made a way, made an opportunity. And if we would just walk into those opportunities, knowing that God has opened the door for it, it, may, it would make it easier on ourselves. Take away those fear factors, those you know, oh my goodness, I couldn't possibly do this, but it removes that fear. Remember, perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. And again, back to defining how we disciple, like we're speaking truth of God's word to them and we're speaking life into them. So that can be very practical, doing something in love or just saying an encouraging word. Yeah. Hey, we could be walking into the local store today Yes. and seeing a cashier who's frazzled because people are mean. And we've all met them. Yes. Or the poor person who has to check masks. Right. 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 That person could use a little bit of your discipleship today. Amen. And that is, again, showing the love of Christ. That's how we are showing that we're disciples. Yeah. I love this, Angie, because it perfectly segues into my next scripture. This is Acts chapter 8. And you want to talk about how do you disciple in the midst of fear? right? Mm. Like it's taking me somewhere that I'm not comfortable. How about Acts chapter eight? Now Saul, who before he was Paul, was consenting to his death, to killing Christians. Oh, yes. Okay. How much fear would that be? At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And I'm not going to go through all of this, but skip over to verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So because of persecution, right? That's true persecution, threatened, Mm -hmm. being threatened by death, which we're not experiencing in this country yet. Right. Right. But what happened is they scattered. They went about, and what did they do? They were looking for opportunities. Well, they went wherever they were safety. Wherever God led them, that's where they talked. And that's why it's here with us today. Absolutely. And that's what he's asking us to do. So no matter where you're led, if you will, wherever your life is leading you on that particular day, look for opportunities. So tell me really quickly the difference between being a disciple and doing discipleship. Oh, that's so good, right? It's the difference of... Going witnessing and being a witness. It's the same thing, Angie. I am a witness. I saw it. So here's the thing, because people ask me this all the time. Well, what happens if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? I said, be honest. Tell them you don't know the answer to it. Because this is what happened. Because Satan tries to trap us. Remember, he's the accuser of the brother. So he's looking for an opportunity to pin us so that we don't have an answer. And here's what I like to tell people. You know what? I don't know about that, but here's what I do know. Mm. This is what I do know, and I do know what Jesus did for me. I'm a witness to that. 
How about those folks that say, how can you witness it? You weren't there 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. How are you a witness? Right, but he has, I'm witness to what he has done for me. It's a mm. personal thing, and it's a testimony, and Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony and not loving our lives even unto death. Mm. And that's how you do it, because it's that personal and it's that practical. Yeah. Like, I don't have all of the answers, because even me, I don't have all the answers either, Angie, but here's what I do know. I know what he did for me, and that... Yes, Jesus walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, but today I'm a living witness to what he did in my life. So what I hear you saying, just kind of in summary of today's show, is that we all can do it. We all can. We can all do it all the time, everywhere. Yeah. If you've been reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you, any of us, have been reconciled to God, then we are now ministers of reconciliation. Yeah. Because he has reconciled us, and he's just asking us to share that story. That's some good teaching there, Mr. Bird. All right, we're going to go on to our testimony. Excited about our guest today. And I'm super excited to have a really good friend. Uh, I guess I'm going to call you an up-and-coming big-time friend, Jeff. We've known each other wow. for a couple of years now. I think it's going on a couple of years. And uh, Jeff Pinkleton is joining us today on the program. Jeff, welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Good to, good to chat with you as always. Yeah, and uh, most recently, Jeff and I have been uh, texting each other quite a bit and staying in touch and working together. And so it's super interesting today as we're continuing to tackle the topic of discipleship. It's such a long word and a multiple syllable word, but we're unpacking this thing week by week. And there's so many different facets that go into discipleship. You know, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, it's like... Uh, how do you make a disciple? I mean, that's an interesting word, isn't it, Jeff? Jeff, if you were told to make something, Jeff, go make a cake, right? It takes some ingredients to put together. But when Jesus nobody, said— Nobody wants that cake I'm making, by the way. Nobody <laughs> wants that one. That's right, brother. That's why we leave that to people who are capable. But what's interesting, exactly. Jeff, Jesus told us to make disciples. What does that mean to you? You know, it's interesting. That word is a word that uh, I remember a number of years ago— a friend of mine, a guy who actually the guy who founded the gathering, uh, John Tolson, I mean, he kind of used it more uh, in the with the, the letter R at the end, discipler. And and I just really, as he talked about that, I really fell in love with the word discipler because it's it's more active. Uh, I think it kind of speaks to actually doing something, not just you know like our our board just went on a retreat and you, you know you do all this planning and strategy and what happens nine times nine times out of ten you take what you 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 know processed and did. And you put it on a shelf somewhere. And, and I think discipleship can kind of be that way. And he, he kind of made it a three-facet thing, which I really like. It's, it's a learner, someone who clearly wants to learn and grow, someone who wants to be a follower. So they followed somebody, in this case, obviously, Jesus. Um, and then the third part that I think we typically leave out. And in fact, when I read about people who talk about discipleship, authors, bloggers, I mean, you name it, pastors, whoever, this is the third one that most people leave out, and it's reproducer. I and mean, you can be a learner and a follower, but you know, ultimately that could just make you a fat consumer Christian. But to reproduce is everything, and that's clearly you know, what Mark you alluded to in Matthew 28. I mean, it's, it's go and make disciples, and, and it's got to be you know, back to 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and 
First Corinthians 11, 1, it's, it's multi-generational. So I, I always tend to think of it four generations deep, not who am I investing in, but who am I investing in, but they're going to invest in it, they're going to invest in. So um, and I always find it interesting that the uh, Al-Anons and play the recovery movements tend to have this figured out better than we do. I know they talk a lot about, you know, trends and sinful, you know, habits and nature and, you know, things, curses on families and whatnot being broken to the fourth generation. So uh, it's really taking three or four generations below yourself. Yeah, Jeff, and I'm I'm intrigued when I looked up the word make in the dictionary right online, because of course that's the utmost authority. But it's interesting, the verb form of make is to form something by putting parts together or by combining substances to construct or create or to cause something to exist or to bring about. And so interesting when you when we get the commandment to make disciples, right? We have to bring some pieces together. We have to bring some components together because Jesus said in the last part of the Great Commission, he said, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. And so my million dollar question always is this, how long does that take? How long does it take someone to teach and train all Jesus commands, right? A long time. Well, well, so it takes a commitment, Jeff. Oh, it's it's lifelong. I mean, it's a it's a process. That's why I always I'm always skeptical. And I, I you and I had this conversation early on as we got to know each other related to revive. I mean, if it's if it's a one time thing or it's taking this class or it's going through this you know start and date process, it's just not it. And, and again, I don't think anybody's got their finger fully on this. Otherwise, I mean, the church by itself would look a whole lot different than it does. But it's it's being committed to lifelong growth, lifelong relationship, knowing it's sticky and it's messy and it's dirty and it's not fun and it's difficult. You know, I always say people, the closer you get to someone, the more you're going to see the ugly and the more, you know, the people you love the most are the people you're going to hurt the most Amen. because you're doing life together. So, you know, it, it's, it's really being committed. Um, you know, Stephen Mansfield, who I'm a big fan of, he, he talks about this and I, and I think it's very applicable and we kind of forget this, that, you know, think about two guys like Mark, if you and I are sitting together at the Cohats or a sweet aroma well found or someplace and we're, we're having coffee or we're just hanging out or we're having a meal. It's really us leading each other in some sense. I mean, there's a sense of me, you know, trying to bring out the best in you, encouraging you, speaking to your life, you doing it, you know, back to me. And, you know, we kind of lead one another. And I think, you know, hope, hopefully with any good discipleship, I mean, that, that's what's going to take place. It's, it's sure. One person may be, you know, if you look at it from the outside, looking in, invest in someone, but it, it really becomes a two way street. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago, I was at Young Life Camp, and a guy who was speaking was talking about seeing the kids that were there, and there were probably three or 400 people in a room, uh, this is in New York, and, and saying, you know, I hope some of you guys are really going after Christ so much, like 20, however many years down the road, like I'm trying to keep up with you. And initially, I heard that, and I thought, well, what's he talking about? Because that means he's fading away, or he's falling back, or he's, you know, whatever. I'm like, well, no, that's really not what that means. That just means they're pursuing Christ so much and he's invested in them, whether it was that message or in it with kids and leaders beyond that moment that they're going so far after it that you can't keep up just because they're going so far. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what is it? It's the, uh, when the birds fly into V formation, you know, at some point you fall in the back and other people and other birds step up to keep you know, at the point to keep that thing going. And you know, that's, that's where you hopefully have a culture thing going there and a movement that's way beyond a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And, and it's just a culture of, you know, whole ministry or group of people. Hey, Jeff, I, I want to circle back to something you said just a moment ago about 
people's lives get messy. And so often in our culture, especially, we don't like to get involved with people's mess. And so talk to me for a moment about the motivation and how where is involved in your motivation. Well, I mean, I, I think, and I answered a loaded question. It was a good question. I hope I, I hope I treat this fairly. But, um, you know, one of the things I tell people, if, I, if I'm going to invest in someone or I'm, I know I'm in a committed relationship with someone, I say, A, it's going to be messy. I mean, it just, it just is. If you're really, truly doing life together, the only way that happens is you get into every nook and corner. You know, you look at, I'm, I'm sitting outside my home right now, and there's that corner everywhere in a home or in a room where you're like, ah, yeah, there's a little bit extra dust there. There's some junk or, you know, we pile stuff into that corner. I'm a, I'm a pathetic pack rat, my wife would say. And, um, you know, you have that corner where there's kind of some not so appealing to the eye kind of stuff. Well, if we're really going to go through it together, every, every, everything's open, you know, every, every area, every nook and cranny you got to have access to. And I tell people, you know, if we're really going to have that type of relationship, we have to care more um, about the other person than we care about the relationship because if you care too much about the relationship, at some point you fight, and protect it. And, uh, you know, that becomes the priority over the person. And I have to look at people in my life and say, well, I'm going to care more about them as a person than I care about the relationship. Cause then I'll put them ahead, um, and not protect what I think I have with them or whatever, which you, at some point isn't real, isn't whatever. And that's, that's really the only way you can reproduce. I mean, you got to say, okay, well, um, and I think one of the things we don't talk about sometimes in the body of Christ is at some point you kind of have to cut things off too. I mean, there's some people where if I'm pursuing, 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 and they're not responding, um, you know, at some point you got to move on. Um, I remember that reality, gosh, probably 30 years ago, 25 years ago with Young Life, thinking, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go after the quarterback of the football team. I'm trying to go after this student body president. I'm trying to go after whatever to really invest in. And finally, I mean, the Lord just dealt with me and said, Jeff, okay, who's really responded to you? Wow. So who you know, is quick to answer your call? Who's quick to say, Hey, let's go to this place and go grab ice cream after a game. Who are the people that are quick to do that? And, uh, you know, we got a guy involved in the gathering who, um, you know, I remember he started pursuing me about, oh gosh, five years ago now. And he asked me to mentor him. And I said, well, I was kind of busy. It wasn't the best of timing, but I was starting this discipleship thing we have called Young Guns. And it was our first group. And I just thought, well, okay, let me make a little bit of exception. We're kind of done, but let me go ahead and get this guy. And, and I brought him in and, you know, he excelled. Uh, he has since started a side business. Uh, I remember at the end of the year, we did our follow-up, like what really spoke to you and what, what happened in your life. He talked about falling more in love with the big C body of Christ church, not just his own. You know, he was on an outlier of town, kind of small church, and he fell in love with the big C church. And him and his wife and her kids moved to Springfield from outside. Um, he got involved, you know, networking away. Um, he's now at one of the He's at the biggest church of that church in Springfield. He's doing communications, um, arts, you know, uh, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, like I said, side business. And he's now actually on my board. So he can wow. help fire me. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'd say that's discipleship to a certain level. When he was this podunk, recently graduated from Whitburg kid. And, you know, he's definitely a leader of leaders in many, many ways now. I mean, he said he brought several people in. You know, people either, you know, not connected on, in a church or not going somewhere. And whether they personally came to Christ or they were young and immature in their faith and have really grown, one guy he brought in is now getting ready to become an elder at that church. So um, he's a young guy. You know, I, I think it's, it's uh, yeah, being available to who God sends your way versus so often I've been guilty of pursuing who I, who I think I want to go after. So. 
Yeah, but there's not an intimidation factor that you've discipled him, Jeff, and he has been exalted by the Lord. He's been, you know, given more opportunity. But that doesn't intimidate you, right? It's like you're celebrating that victory for the Lord, for the body of Christ, for the kingdom. And uh, that's what's so cool about this because you're right, man. There isn't necessarily this always this mentor, mentor e type of situation that has to be this perfect setup, or whatever, but you're both going to get discipled in the process because I believe personally that if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, truly you should be getting discipled by someone else and you should be discipling someone else. So it's a cycle and it's a, it's a multiplication process for all of us. That is how the body of Christ grows. And that is how Jesus designed it from the beginning. So it's, super cool to hear like practical examples of that, that you've seen Jeff and that I don't hear you complaining about this process, but you're like praising God for this man who has gone on to do great things for the King. Well, I better, cause he, like I said, he can get me fired. Now I'm on board <laughs> to be one of the people that fire me. I mean, I, here's what it, it comes down to. I mean, I think, you know, on one hand, there's no one size fits all, but it's funny. I was thinking about this actually over the weekend. I was thinking about the people that um, I've seen that, like, um, you know, that I know have gone through processes, uh, whether it's mentoring or an official discipleship relationship, people my wife has poured into and what's gone well and what's been a struggle and not gone well. And I think it really comes down to there's a great word tied into this from Robert Lewis. Robert Lewis started a men's ministry years ago called Men's Fraternity and uh, wrote the book um, Raising a Modern Day Knight. Mm. And he would talk about this kind of fatherhood wound that we, you know, as men, we tend to all have. And I'll never forget being in a meeting when this was talked about. He had done some video work, and they broke us up into small groups. And the guy who was leading it at the time, this was at a church in Springfield, and he said, look, guys, um, men, if you're a father and you've got brokenness in your relationship with your son, it's your job to make it right. He paused, and they said, all right, now, men, if, if you're a son and this has happened to you, you need to assume your dad's not going to do it, and now it's your job to make it right. And so it really put the onus on both people. And I think discipleship at the core, if it's really going to work, different processes, lots of ways to do it. It's life on life. Right. But the person who's doing the investing and the person who gets invested, they both have to want it and both really treat it as their job. I mean, I, I look at like my kids, like I'm always trying to get older adults around my kids. I don't want them to just have me and my wife as the investors, you know, in their life. I think it's, I forgot who put out the stat, but if a, if a teenager has five caring adults in their life, it's almost like guaranteed for success. Well, the challenge therein is, you know, people have to see that thing through. And I just see it time and time again in mentoring discipleship relationships where someone ends up failing and dropping the ball. And both people don't see it as their job and their role and responsibility to, to see it through. And then it falls apart and it had every chance to be successful, but both people weren't fully on board, 100% committed. Jeff, let me ask you this question, just sort of like steering us back to the, the subtopic that we're unpacking today, but where should we be discipling people at? Yeah, I know all three of us, me, you, Mark, and, and Angie, are committed to the kingdom of God. And I love when you think about the kingdom, it's true, you know, at the core, it's defined as wherever God reigns. Right. Well, I, th I think discipleship is, is wherever you are. I mean, you know, we talked and we know each other well enough, Mark. I mean, I I sp for years, I spent tons of time at Panera. <laughs> right. It's kind of like whatever's the new thing in Springfield. It's like P Panera was new, <laughs> got close to a decade ago, and the people knew. I, mean, I would have board members, volunteer leaders, locker room guys in the gathering. They would stop at Panera, and they, they would find me there. And so I, we did a lot of life in Panera. Yeah. And we get Starbucks, and Starbucks is cool, and it's a place to be. And, and you know, then there, and 
now in the last, you know, since early 2020, it's been the co-ax in downtown Springfield. And I just think it's wherever you are. I mean, I'm sitting out in my back patio working today instead of, instead of being at the co-hatch or wherever. And, you know, a lot of times, like, uh, based on my wife and kids doing a homeschool thing and they might be gone, people will meet me here. Uh, it's, it's wherever you go. I mean, John, John Mark Comer, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him much. He's out of Portland. He's a pastor. And he basically drew um, a radius around his house. So his church, he, he was a mega church guy, multi-campus. He got rid of the multi thing and just said, told his, his staff and elders and leaders, like, I want to do one campus and I want to simplify my life and I want to do it well. So he basically does all of his life within a one mile radius. Wow. And I love that kind of philosophy. So if the kingdom of God is God reigning wherever, wherever he does, which is everywhere, then it's us kind of taking that same philosophy, thinking discipleship, wherever you go. I mean, it starts at home and it's in the workplace and, you know, wherever you go, you have an, an opportunity to meet someone who needs Jesus, someone who's marginal in their faith, someone who's on the fringes, someone who whatever. And, and uh, you know, uh, you know, one of my personal philosophies is I'm trying to add value to people every time I'm with them, anytime and every time, you know, move the chains. If you ask an offensive coordinator of football, how do you win games? It's not score touchdowns. While that would be a correct answer, it's move the chains. And right. so where do we, every time we're with someone, whether it's, a one-time thing, uh, a regular flow of meeting weekly, monthly, whatever. How do you get a chance to impact them for the gospel? Because we're image bearers. I mean, you alluded to that earlier, Mark. I mean, we're image bearers. We get a chance wherever we are, whenever it is, to bear the image of Christ on people. And, you know, I love in Romans when it talks about the love of Christ compels us. So that should compel us anytime, every time. That's so true. And and really, that's why I pointed this out when it says make disciples. That's the verb. Because where, when you said, Jeff, wherever we go, that is the correct answer. Because discipleship is a lifestyle. It is mobile. It's it's an action thing. It's not a noun. Like, it's not a name. Discipleship is a, okay, well, hold on a second. Let me put on my discipleship suit, right? No, it should be a part of us. Uh, living and breathing, it should be a verb. It's an action thing. And so discipleship is wherever we go, because we should be thinking uh, discipleship as a lifestyle. And so what's interesting, I heard a discipleship leader of a national ministry say this weekend, he said, you know what happens when the church starts naming every single program that they have discipleship? Well, we do this program as discipleship. And then he said, when that happens, when every program gets named discipleship, then nothing is discipleship in reality. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you're trying, you're trying mm-hmm. to force something to happen instead of allowing it to be who you are. Exude from you as a person, a discipler. And I love that you said that, Jeff, because we use that same language all the time. Like I'm a discipler, right? I'm also a disciplee. Yep. Right, because Jesus and He uses other mentors and friends and partners in the gospel to mentor me as well. But I'm also supposed to be pouring out uh, at the same time everywhere well, it is. Well, to your point, I mean, one of the questions I love asking high-capacity, influential leaders is, who do you follow? I mean, it's interesting when you ask that question. I mean, I love, especially businessmen or some of the leaders, you know, I've been blessed to be around, speakers at our breakfast events and whatnot. You know, who do you follow? It's interesting to people that really have a quick answer to that question versus people that don't. And if you don't, you probably need to have an answer. And before I even ask that question to people, a lot of times I'm like, all right, so who am I following right now? Yeah. So, because um, it needs to start with me, so... 
That's excellent. Well, Jeff, unfortunately, uh, we're out of time, and it goes so fast. And, man, as you know already, we could sit and talk for hours because we do. But I'm so thankful that you were uh, agreeable to come on the program today and just allow the listeners to hear from a super practical standpoint of what discipleship really is because it's just such a big multiple-syllable word that gets thrown around in church or whatever, but it's it's not that difficult. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What you're saying, Jeff, is we should be prepared to to talk about those relationships that we're in because that's what discipleship is you know i look at it it says discipleship equals relationships and that's really what it is jeff and thank you for modeling that so well and for sharing that with our audience today and i pray that god will use this to encourage and equip others that are listening in today you've been listening to time to revive Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.